today on Laura Lynn and Friends. Their own doctor members are dying. They're dying suddenly. And you know what they did with, uh, with those doctor deaths that they used to put on their website to give them a, a sort of an honor. Uh, it was called an in memoriam page where doctors, Canadian doctors were honored. They deleted 1,000, over 1,000 Canadian doctor deaths from their own website so that Canadians couldn't go and see that there's more deaths happening since the rollout of the vaccines. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the beginning of the last days. My name is Laurel and Tyler Thompson and I'm so awesomely blessed to be with you today. Incredible lineup. We have three fantastic doctors. Maybe they can help explain why there's all these threats of mandates and masking and all this stuff going on with all the variants coming our way. Different things that are happening. Um, I've had some bad news come to my ears today regarding someone who knows about um, some babies that are dying in Alberta. And uh, I'm going to share that with Dr. Mackis when we're done this show. But I'm not able to share it yet. But there is information that is coming. And a whole lot of bad things have taken place. And some people are covering it up. And they're either paid off or they're blackmailed. And I think it's more they're, they're taking money to be silent at a season where we really need the truth. And those who dare to tell the truth are the truly courageous ones of our world. So you know that I love to read from my dad's Bible. And he has underlined this book from one end to the other. Oh, Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes. Do you guys like that? A time for war, a time, a time for peace and a time for war, a time to silent, to be silent. Oh, look at this. Okay, he's actually underlined this. Listen to this. So Ecclesiastes 3. I love my dad. I miss him. It's almost two years since he's gone. I can't even believe it. He died pretty much right before I went uh, on the Freedom Convoy. So to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Sometimes we plant a harvest or we plant seeds and maybe it's time to pull those up. Maybe they're, maybe they're weeds. Let's get rid of the weeds. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. It's all there, right there in Ecclesiastes 3. It goes on and on. It's, this is a beautiful book. This is a beautiful book. If there's one thing I am so blessed is that my parents taught me to love God and to love his word and to find peace there. And that's how I find peace because every single day, like the other day we had the farmer, Farmer Embryon, and um, he was telling us all this bad news about CRISPR and inserting things into our food that is potentially going to be damaging to humankind. Why would anyone do this? And I don't want to eat grasshoppers. And I refuse. I did do it as a child. I'm gonna not, not lie to you. I was in Africa and it was grasshopper season. It was super fun. We went outside, we caught them, and then we brought them home. My mom took the, leg, true story, <laughs> took the legs and the wings off the grasshoppers. We fried them up and we ate them. I'm not doing that anymore. 
Okay, that was a season of my life. It was a time, a time to eat grasshoppers and a time to refrain from eating bugs. And so I'm now here uh, in, in Canada. We've got this amazing Alberta beef. Uh, we even get some of that here in British Columbia. We have wonderful beef. We have wonderful chicken. We have all of these vegetables. Why is the government doing things to mess with food? Why all these crazy flat uh, fires, so many arsonists, so many arsonist stories. We know they're looking into that in BC and in Alberta. What is going on? And then we've got the whole medical fiasco that we have been through. So let me introduce to you uh, three amazing doctors today. Dr. Richard Ammerling, Dr. Mark Trozzi, very good friend of this show, and Dr. William Mackis, epic friend of this show. Uh, three wonderful doctors. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate uh, that you're just waiting in the wings there. We've got some real uh, crazy stuff happening. And maybe I'll just begin with you. Dr. Richard Ammerling, would you introduce yourself to our audience? I know you know the other two doctors, but tell us a bit about yourself, and then we're going to get into some real good discussion today. Uh, great to be with you, Laura. Thank you so much. Uh, and, and I'm happy to be with my my friends and colleagues, Dr. Trozzi and Dr. Makas. Macus. We are uh, all doctors, you know, medical doctors. I was trained in traditional scientific medicine at Catholic University of Louvain in Belgium. I had a long practice in New York City as a, an academically oriented nephrologist. In 2016, I went down to Grenada to teach medicine at St. George's University and did that until COVID hit. COVID hit, uh, they closed the school and went online and I came up to the States and I worked at Bellevue Hospital during the height of the, the epidemic in April and May and March and June of uh, 2020, dealing with very sick COVID patients who had kidney failure. I then went back to Grenada, got into, uh, you know, back into my clinic, but they were, were having a vaccine mandate at the school and I was not having any part of it. We parted company uh, in 2021 and I worked with Simone Gold at uh, Merck's Frontline Doctors for a while and then got out of that and got into what became the wellness company. And that's where I met these fine gentlemen. Amazing. Yes, the wellness company. And uh, we've been uh, putting out some information on that, the spike support stuff. Maybe we'll bring that up at the end of the show. Uh, anybody that's looking for some help with, you know, the... Um, the results of having taken the vaccine. Dr. Trozzi, you've been in an incredible battle because of some of these crazy things that Dr. Ammerling just mentioned that he's been through. Uh, how, how is it going with you at this time? I'm more concerned with the state of Canada and the state of the world and the, the war that we're all in and the threats to all of us and all of our grandchildren than the specific uh, battle I'm in with the current management of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario. In regards to though, uh, unfortunately, at least the management at the college continues to seem to hold the reins and they continue to be unrepentant, uh, despite the fact that every doctor who did not follow their, their directions, which they had no lawful right to give, uh, turned out to be correct. The college turned out to be wrong about everything. And despite the fact that their negligence has resulted in many people suffering that wouldn't have had to suffer during COVID and worse so many people suffering or dying or losing loved ones because of the misrepresented genetic injections that they helped promote and enforce 
and that they blocked any doctor from trying to obstruct. So um, we're near the end of a what probably will be a kangaroo proceeding where the college rules over the college versus me. However, in those proceedings, and despite all their efforts to obstruct that we did get some real science on the table, we did get some real law on the table. And if they maintain their position and they make a ridiculous decision, which would be anything other than apologizing to me and all the other doctors, mm. and not only reinstating us, but some of them resigning, uh, then we will immediately appeal into the court system. Uh, they will be trying to financially punish me because what they'll do is they'll assign all their costs when they spent as much as they possibly could and drag things out as long as they could. Um, so, so that's where that's at. But again, you know, um, I think anyone who thinks that their house, their career, their income is really the big deal right now is miso. So, uh, we are in the war of the world. COVID is one of the big weapons being used. We have extremely evil people running governments and corporations, and we have unequal death from any medical atrocity ever committed. We have at least 20 million people dead in the world. We have probably a billion injured, and that's the real crisis. And um, at this point, unfortunately, uh, the culprits of this who should be in prison or, according to many traditions, hung, are still holding offices in government and in regulatory bodies and other institutions. So that's the state of things as I see it. Thanks, Laura. Hey, thank you very much. And I couldn't agree more. What an absolute mess. And Dr. Mackis, uh, there has been no end to the trouble that you've had to face because you've been telling the truth. And we want to get to some of that truth. Uh, I've, I follow you on Twitter and you've been exposing some things. What is some of the latest interesting things that have been uh, you know, presenting themselves in this fight against the, the nasty narrative that we've been up against? Well, thank you, Laura Lynn, for having me on again. Um, you know, it's it just the sudden deaths, they continue. Uh, the injuries continue, uh, the vaccine-related injuries and deaths. And the problem is, is that even though people have stopped taking the booster shots, it seems that the deaths and the injuries following, you know, COVID vaccination haven't really slowed down. If anything, in some cases, they seem to be accelerating, right? You look at all the COVID vaccinated professions the, where the mandates were put in back in 2021 and 2022. And that's where we're seeing catastrophic deaths. I'm seeing these, these deaths on a daily basis. I have so many deaths and reports on my desk. There's not enough hours in the day to even go through them, let alone report them. I've got probably over a thousand deaths right now sitting on my desk. Um, and you know, you look at the professions uh, that where the mandates were very aggressive. And these are the doctors obviously dying suddenly, a lot of them, and not just in Canada, but really throughout the world. Uh, I'm, you know, I report on American doctors dying suddenly, Brazilian doctors, Italian doctors. This is, this is anywhere where there was a big push to get all the doctors vaccinated. Nurses, other healthcare workers are dropping dead. Then you've got the police officers, the firefighters, the pilots, I mean, we saw a lot of pilots collapsing uh, in August. Um, I think there were three pilot deaths that I can recall, uh, six or seven collapses. Again, major airliners, this is happening on an almost regular basis and no one's doing anything about it. You know, the medical establishment in 
Canada and the United States, they're denying that this is happening. It, it, it's a completely denial of reality. Um, and, you know, we've got thousands of young people dying suddenly. I'm trying to report on as many of them as I, as I can through Twitter, through Substack, through Instagram. Uh, Instagram has just throttled, throttled my account uh, and started deleting my posts. Um, wow. Uh, Twitter is shadow banning me. Uh, so I've got people are telling me that they're no longer seeing my posts. They're no longer getting notifications from me. So, I mean, there's a lot of efforts mm. uh, that, the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry is putting in. Uh, through social media to, to to silence all of us, you know, uh, Mark, Richard, you know, we, we've all experienced various, you know, types of silencing uh, to, to basically make make this go away, but it's not going away. Um, you know, it's the injuries and deaths are just on a catastrophic scale at this point. And it really all I mean, all I can do you know, Alberta Health Services and the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta destroyed my medical career, destroyed my very successful oncology practice. You know, same thing that the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario is doing right now to Mark. They did they, they did that to me a few years before the pandemic. I went through the kangaroo court, the whole thing, the, the false accusations, the fraudulent complaints. Um, and, uh, you know, these people, again, they're, they're still in charge. The colleges are still muzzling doctors. They're still stripping them of their licenses. Uh, the health authorities, like here in Alberta, Alberta Health Services has a partnership with the World Economic Forum, and they're still pushing the vaccines on, on babies as young as six months old. They're still pushing the vaccines on pregnant women. We have miscarriages, we have stillbirths, we have pregnant women that are dying either during pregnancy or they're dying in the postpartum period. Um, all of this is being being buried. All of this is being covered up. So, you know, here we are trying to report on this as, as much as we can and kind of do our part. And thank God that you are doing your part because you won't hear about it on mainstream media, who's also culpable in the deception and the lies. And actually, uh, you know, th this is being uh, this is harming more people. And I do want to talk to you about. Uh, the babies that I'm hearing, and I know you've reported on that as well, but like if a baby dies here and here and here and here, you know, not everyone hears about all of this, but when you begin to get uh, the people that are, you know, ha have this kind of information uh, and we track it, uh, we see that we have a very big problem. And Dr. Trozzi, you mentioned like, you you threw out numbers of, of 20 million. Um, People like Dr. Roger Hodkinson and others who are in this industry, they're basically saying we have a lot more deaths from the vaccination than is really being reported. And it's very hard, I guess, to get, you know, hard proof of that because everyone lies about why someone died. Well, yeah, and, and I think uh, one of the, uh, the most guilty governments in this is Canada. Because even if you go back uh, to 2021, um, you know, with regards to the incidence of serious COVID disease in people who were injected with this stuff that they were told was a safe and effective vaccine. Now, back then, it became obvious from Canadian data that you were two and a half times more likely to get sick with COVID if you took two shots, and you were more than three times likely to get COVID if you took three shots. So one would naturally think that a sane government that was doing its duty would immediately stop the 
and begin to uh, turn to the doctors like us who've been leading the way on this. Instead, they stopped publishing vaccine status with COVID cases. And what that allowed them to do back then even was say, oh, we've got lots of COVID, so go take your shot. They didn't say we've got lots of COVID uh, if you take the shot, so take the shot. So that's how they've covered up the fact that, and, and it's so evident, I've published multiple things on my site about this, that uh, the incidence of COVID disease is much higher in the coerced victims of these incidents. Um, and really those are the people who are getting sick and dying with COVID now. But then when you turn to the deaths and adverse events, because I mean, that's just one of the adverse events. One of the things that the COVID shot does it makes you more likely to get sick with COVID. That's one thing it does. But it does a lot more negative things and it causes death and it causes adverse events. Well, the story of one of my good heroes, Dr. Patrick Phillips, case very well, because if a doctor in Canada tries to report an adverse event, first of all, it's an extremely laborious project process and they make it very difficult to do it. And if a doctor decides he's gonna go through all that work and do it and file it, then what we see with Dr. Phillips and others is that the report is rejected and the college launches another investigation into the doctor. So Dr. Phillips, for just doing everything right, just continuing to go to work and do everything right as long as he could, he ended up with the largest stack of filings and abuse by the college against him. Unbelievable. So Canada is the oh. big cover-up. Canada is the big cover-up. When they tell you there's like 175 deaths in Canada related to the shots, that is a farce. That is a farce. There's 300,000 in the United States, and there's no reason to think that we don't have similar ratios, which <laughs> would put us way in the thousands. And Dr. Marcus can speak very accurately to that. And you know, Mark, it's not even the the 170 something. The Health Canada has admitted to zero deaths. From the vaccine they just said that you know some are suspicious some they're still investigating um and of course you know many of them they've rejected and this is the reports that actually make it to health canada we know that you know the vast majority of them never make it to health canada because they're blocked by the provincial health authorities like alberta health services in alberta they're blocking all vaccine injury reports from actually even getting sent to health canada but right now, Health Canada still admits to zero vaccine deaths, which is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, we have excess mortality through the roof in all the highly COVID vaccinated jurisdictions, geographical locations in Alberta. Number one cause of death is cause unknown excess mortality of four or five thousand Albertans last year uh, in Canada. That translates to about 30 to 40,000 Canadians as excess deaths. And as Dr. Trozzi just pointed out, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, the estimates vary between three to five, six hundred thousand excess deaths in the United States uh, in the past two years. And that's there just is... excess deaths. I mean, there's still deaths that are probably, mm -hmm. you know, well within the reason, but but people are still there. They've been very harmed. Go ahead. Yeah. So there is a massive cover up going on. And right. sadly, the medical profession is is neck deep in it. And that's something we can get into in a little while, what happens in the medical profession in, in the States. I know in Canada, the medical profession is heavily under the thumb of government. In the United States, that was not always true, but it is more so now. But one of the ways that they have covered up this uh, genocide is a statistical trick. Now, when the, when the Pfizer studies and the Moderna studies were done, they 
did not follow basic protocol, which requires what we call intention to treat, which means that once you randomize your groups, whatever happens to those groups gets recorded as, a, as an effect, right? Either they get COVID or they have an adverse reaction. As soon as they're randomized, that goes to them, right? That's attributed to that random, randomized arm of the study. What they did was that they only started counting events two weeks after the second shot. And this flaw, it's really fraud, actually, the way they did it. But this has been perpetuated around the world in study after study of COVID vaccine reactions and deaths. And we know that there are an awful lot of severe adverse events within a few days after the first shot. And in fact, quite a few deaths within a few days after the first shot. So this is how they were able to cover up, in part, the massive destruction attributed to these vaccines. They, just, they don't consider you vaccinated until you're two weeks out after your second shot. And so many, um, as you're pointing out, um, all of you doctors know that it's just so much fraud. How do we explain yeah. this? Have, have your, the higher ups in the medical establishment, have they been, have they been bribed? Uh, is, is this about money? Like, why would a person not want to protect their countrymen? Why would people in the world, why has Fauci done what he's done? I mean, this is, this is uh, you know, the psychology of psychopaths. Why do they not care about people? There's been a complete abandonment of medical ethics. I mean, that's, that's the best way to sum it up. The idea that you put your patient's interest above all else is gone and people have been co-opted in various ways. They've come under the uh, employment of you know, big corporations and they dare not step out of line and you know, cross uh, over into uh, the real world uh, or they're gonna lose their job or they're afraid of losing their job, as happened to me, by the way, and, and everybody here, our, our whole group really. And so it's a very real threat, but they've also abandoned this basic medical principle, do no harm and they are allowing harm to occur to their patients. And that is new. In you know, the old days, the medical profession was autonomous. They were independent. In the States, I'm talking about. I, you know, Canada too, I guess, going way back. But, but in the States, we were an independent group. I mean, there were 90% of doctors were in private practice back in the 80s and 90s. Now it's probably 10 or 20% who are, remain in private practice. And they still have to kowtow to hospital administrators if they want privileges and insurance companies, et cetera. So the medical profession has come under the thumb of big pharma, a big medicine, big you know, hospital, big government in many ways, insurance, big insurance. And they, the medical profession is not independent and they've abandoned medical ethics. I mean, look at the, the remdesivir protocols in the hospitals in the States are actively causing kidney failure and killing patients, but doctors go along with it or they're afraid they're gonna get thrown out. Cowardice, it's just unbelievable. Dr. Mackis, 18 hours ago, um, I do have a share here on your Twitter. I mean, if you're being shadow banned, you're, you're still getting good numbers. A lot of yours is, you know, and, and I'll make it a bit smaller here. Uh, you know, you put up something and you, you got 4,700 views, but a lot of your tweets are still doing really well. I see really high numbers. So uh, I'd like to think that I'm a part of helping you to be known, Dr. Marcus, because I, as soon as I saw your work, you know, I just knew 
that it was important. But like you say, those that have been mandated to get these vaccines, you're seeing these very odd deaths. And you're highlighting a 49-year-old Indiana Deputy Sheriff Timothy J. Geyer suffered a heart attack after completing mandatory physical training at the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy. COVID-19 mRNA vaccine-mandated professions are getting annihilated. So part of the problem, I think, as I understand it, is that you get the shot and then if if you have an adrenaline rush or you're in a physically... A physically challenging environment or situation, that's when we're seeing some of these heart attacks happening. You know, a lot of us um, at the wellness company, we'd, uh, we'd gotten together and we did uh, a large review of uh, autopsy studies in the literature of vaccinated individuals who had died suddenly uh, shortly after vaccination. And this was sort of spearheaded by Dr. Peter McCullough, who's uh, you know world-renowned cardiologist and we did this big review and we found that, you know, the vast majority of the sudden deaths in vaccinated individuals, it was something like 74%, were due to the vaccine. Uh, you know, syndromes caused by the vaccine, damage caused by the vaccine. And, and the majority of those are cardiac. And, and so, you know, I'm seeing these patterns everywhere. You know, when, whenever you see a sudden death of, of a young individual in their 20s, 30s, 40s, you know that they, they were vaccinated they were usually vaccinated to keep their job, um, and you see they're having, you know, they're having heart attacks. They're having sudden cardiac arrests, uh, often while they're exercising. Um, so, in the cases of police officers, especially, and the military too, you see these col- young people collapse during training, right? Like some kind of training sessions. I've seen firefighters collapse during training, and then they have these cardiac events, these cardiac arrests. And they have no history of cardiac disease or they've had no symptoms uh, before. They just had, you know, two shots, three shots, four shots of the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and, you know, they they had an underlying damage that they didn't know about. And they're doing some kind of an exercise or doing some kind of training. They collapse, they have a cardiac arrest, and usually they die. Usually these cardiac arrests are fatal. Uh, and there are so many of these stories. You know, if you go through my history, you will you will literally find hundreds of them that I've reported on Twitter, on Substack. And the shocking thing is that we could actually get the answer on this. Uh, we could get a definitive answer on this if 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 medical authorities were doing proper autopsies, staining for the spike protein of the vaccine and other viral proteins like the nucleocapsid protein, do the staining during the autopsy and find out, you know, are there proteins being expressed in the heart, for example? Is there spike protein being expressed in the heart? Is there inflammation around these spike proteins in the heart? And then we could find out, you know, are there other viral proteins? Was this caused by long COVID? Because right now we're being told, uh, expect something like 30% of the population to have long COVID and disabilities from, you know, having a viral, a mild, viral infection, you know, a year or two ago, and they're going to blame all of these deaths and injuries on long COVID. Well, you know what, let's do the autopsies and let's get the definitive answer, which we can. If there's spike protein from the vaccine and there's no other viral proteins, you know that the vaccine is responsible for the death. And here's the thing, the medical authorities will not do these autopsies. They're not doing them in Canada. They're refusing to do them. They're refusing to do them in the United States for the most part. You get, you know, uh, 
the occasional research group that might publish uh, uh, you know uh, one study or two uh, they're doing them occasionally in Japan occasionally in Korea you know we get these uh, in Germany uh, professor Arne Burkhardt I think he was doing the staining for the spike protein and showing us that yes there's spike protein in the heart there's spike protein in the brain there's spike protein in the testes there's spike protein in tumors that are now arising in the vaccinated and and this is the thing we we would have a definitive answer if Take the Alberta government. If the Alberta government said, we need answers, what's killing all these young people? Let's do the autopsies. Let's let's autopsy every young person who's died suddenly with this staining. I'm telling you, we would have an answer within a couple of weeks, probably. And they will not do it because they know what the answer is. They know what's killing young people and they do not want any link to the vaccine made. There's a cover up and it's intentional. It must have been known by the people that developed the shots that they didn't work because the, the studies, the initial studies di didn't really show any real effect. If you look at them carefully, they, they, they had minimal effect on real hard outcomes. They didn't even test them against hard outcomes such as hospitalization or death, just against symptom level of symptoms, which is very easy to, to, to fudge. They also didn't report on over 3,500 subjects that had suspected but unconfirmed infection. They just took them out of the analysis and they never reported on what happened to them. This is fraud, it's, it's scientific fraud. And they must have known that these shots didn't work. Plus within the first six months, 1200, over 1200 deaths were reported to Pfizer in documents that were, were gotten by, you know, Andrew series, uh, uh, Aaron series group. Look, they knew that these shots didn't work and that they were potentially lethal. They all used the same protein, right? All four major vaccine makers chose to use a spike protein to, to be produced by these shots, by the messenger or the modified RNA, I should say. And they knew that this was the part of the virus that interacted with receptors and was therefore dangerous. So it was, I think, intentional. There's just simply no way that they, they could have done this uh, accidentally. It had to be intentional. And then the wow. other aspect of it is they relentlessly forced it into everybody, right? This is so, so egregious in terms of a violation of just normal medical practice. They didn't take anything into consideration. You couldn't get medical exemptions for the most part, no matter what. I mean, occasionally you got one if you threatened them with a lawsuit, but they otherwise uniformly said, no, you must take the shot. So the, the relentless campaign reveals the intention behind it. it. It is not about public health at all. It's a mass depopulation agenda, it has to be. That is, is so absolutely terrifying what you guys are saying, but yet I was just listening to Sirius Radio this morning and uh, you know, on a major news network and they're all talking about because these new strains are coming, better make sure that you're getting your shots and, and make sure that your kids are getting their shots. I mean. This is this is horrific and it all is. the deaths and, uh, you know, Dr. Trozzi, one thing that uh, you you've been saying since the beginning is that this is crimes against humanity and it's at an epic level and we're still fighting it, even with everything you guys are putting out there with all the data, with all the substacks, with all the testing and the, you know, the the new information that is coming 
you know, to us every single day, they're still telling us to get more shots. You know, you mentioned earlier, like what's with these people? And and I think I think you have to separate the the true ideologic psychopaths at the top of this from the doctors who responded to the carrot and the stick. And so at the at the at the the end of the the ideologic psychopaths, okay, Anthony Fauci uh, has a long history. His criminality regarding HIV. His founding of the company Moderna, which if you look at it, is modern RNA 40 years ago. And a company that was shelved and done nothing for 40 years until suddenly it got a contract for these injections. The fact that the, the, the patents go back more than a decade, more than 70 patents on the technology that suddenly was in response to this virus that came out of bats, that's impossible. If you look at Bill Gates, another great manipulator of the situation, this guy was telling us 20 years ago in his TED Talks, we have to reduce the human population. <laughs> then he was saying, I'm going to uh, use vaccines to reduce the population. If you think about it, that doesn't make any you reduce the population by helping people. And then if you look at Tedros, the, the psychopath from Africa, who was part of a communist uh, group that was literally a uh, terrorist organization until they managed to take over the government and committed such atrocious acts. Uh, he was involved in covering up cholera breaks ups, breakouts. And he was also, uh, his government was involved in like literally shooting people dead on the streets celebrating Thanksgiving. So these are the kind of psychopaths at the top. And then, you know, look at Albert Borlas, the president uh, of, of Pfizer, the CEO of Pfizer. Well, Pfizer has paid the largest criminal fines in the history. And these criminal fines before COVID were for fraudulently promoting drugs that killed people. So that's the guys at the top. As for the, the guys kind of down lower on the ladder, quite a bit lower, when you get down, you know, the WHO is used as the conduit to, to, to kind of pipe all these mandates, ridiculous mandates into the countries. Well, when you get to the doctors, I know I was a frontline doctor. I was in the empty hospitals when people were told the hospitals were full. I did my research. I had tons of time on my hand. And it was very easy for me to find out a lot of things, like you never try to vaccinate against a coronavirus. It was easy for me to find out that the stuff in these vaccines is by no means a vaccine. It, it, it was easy to find out the spike protein is toxin. I mean, this is old research. There's no way that the, the people that did this didn't know it. I could do it with a hospital computer and empty night shifts. I could do it. These guys had billion dollar budgets on the taxpayer's dime. Um, so, but what happened was we were told, the doctors were told, oh my God, there's this like terrible new virus, like nothing you've ever seen before. Forget everything you think you know. We've got the world experts are gonna lead us and you're all superheroes on the front line. The hospitals were empty, it was easy money. So on the one hand, you could take the carrot you could have the easy money. You could have the empty hospitals with no work to do. You could suddenly just do on, on Zoom instead of actually seeing patients. Or if you thought and you used your head and you told people the truth, you could uh, have your income disrupted. You could be stripped of your position in your hospitals, your universities, your laboratories, etc. So, um, you know, for the low-level operatives, the, the doctors, you know, uh, that went along with this and injected people and didn't treat people and kept their little menial incomes. You know, I think 
they should have probably, and they should still go back and look at something in the book sitting in front of you, Laura, which I looked at way back and it came to my mind, you know, my mother was a good woman and she, she taught me some basic things about life. Mm-hmm. And the thing that rang in my head loud and clear in 2020 was Mark 6 and 12. You cannot serve God and be a slave to money. So, yeah, it was great serving God, following the golden rule, being a doctor and getting a paycheck. But when the day came to choose, are you going to be a real doctor? Are you going to follow the golden rule? Are you going to serve God or money? That was the choice doctors faced in 2020. It's the choice they still face today. I really salute those that made the right choice. And I highly recommend those that haven't to give it some serious thought and to turn course and to join the fight for the survival of your descendants and everybody else. Well, this is what we really need. I mean, Dr. Mackis, if you had had a a whole uh, band of doctors come alongside of you, and if everyone had stood, we maybe would not be facing this amount of disinformation that they're shoving at us every day. It amazes me that to this day, doctors in Canada, and I can really only speak for doctors in Canada, um, they have not gotten together in any significant number. It wouldn't have taken that much, maybe 5% of doctors, 10% of doctors, if they had gotten together, walked out of the hospitals and said, we're not putting up with this. You cannot tell us not to treat patients. Uh, you cannot tell us we cannot you know, give uh, medical exemptions, vaccine exemptions, uh, mask exemptions, uh, because the college dictates came down very early on. And the dictates that came, uh, the first ones were you cannot treat your patients with early treatments. You cannot treat them with ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, or any other early treatments that show promise uh, of effectiveness. And that was a bureaucracy that was getting in between, getting into the patient-doctor relationship, which is sacrosanct. Now you've got bureaucrats, many of whom haven't seen patients in years, telling other doctors how they can or cannot treat the patients that they know uh, on the front lines. That has simply never happened before and it was a gross violation of of medical ethics. And the colleges in Canada started with this very early on and they just kept doubling down, doubling down and doctors kept accepting it. You know, doctors en masse said, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to treat any COVID patients. I'm going to wait until they get so sick that they have to be brought to emergency uh, taken to the ICU, put on ventilators, put on remdesivir, and then we know that um, you know their survival rates weren't very high at that point. And doctors accepted that. They accepted that all across Canada. And then, of course, when the va- vaccines were rolled out and the vaccine mandates came, the doctors rolled over once again, and they took their, their two shots. I, I remember in Alberta, we had um, the CEO of Alberta Health Services, Dr. Verna Yu, who uh, basically had signed a deal with the World Economic Forum just uh, the year before, she came out and said, I will implement a vaccine mandate. Every one of 105,000 healthcare workers in Alberta have to submit their vaccine status by October 15th, 2021, or they'll be fired, basically. And not a single government official said no or or stood in her way or, or protected the healthcare workers. And... You know, initially, healthcare workers didn't want to submit their status, but they were threatened. They were threatened with job loss. They were threatened with income loss. And eventually, and especially the doctors en masse, accepted, accepted 
the vaccine mandates, which were unscientific, unethical, and I would argue illegal. And uh, the doctors just rolled over and accepted. And now we have a situation where, you know, doctors are, are still being pressured to continue taking these shots every six months. Uh, now they've, you know, they've given it to their families, they've given it to their kids, they've had to give it, you know, to, to other kids, they've had to give it to pregnant women. How are these doctors now that they're neck deep in, in, in this illegality and, and, and just, you know, lack of medical ethics, and they've been practicing this way for the last two years, how are they going to get themselves out of this? Now we've got a situation in British Columbia where the provincial government just passed uh, Bill 36 to basically mandate doctors and other healthcare workers to just continue taking whatever shots, whatever vaccines, and these may be new mRNA vaccines, whatever the government dictates that they must take, now they will have to take it or they will lose their licenses, medical licenses, nursing licenses, and what have you. So because doctors didn't stand up in the beginning, now they are neck deep uh, in this mess. Uh, they are legally liable for all the injuries and deaths that they caused by giving the shots. They've given the shots to their families. They've taken the shots. Many of them are getting injured. Many of them are dying suddenly. I've been reporting on Canadian doctor sudden deaths for almost two years now. And all I get is a t vicious attacks, smear, you know, smearing and destruction of my personal, you know, reputation. And no one's come to my side, you know, other than, you know, the amazing doctors you've got on your show, the doctors on the wellness company. But in terms of Canadian doctors, there are 100,000 Canadian doctors. I'm being smeared by the Canadian Medical Association that said I'm a conspiracy theorist, I engage in disinformation, and that I should be silenced. Um, and this is the situation we're at still to this day. Yeah, it, it is absolutely shocking. And I don't know if any of you, Dr. Ammerling, if you can tell me, how come you guys are so smart and these other doctors do not get it? Like, why is there such a di divide and disconnect? I had my own doctor telling me that he was glad I couldn't go to restaurants back in 2021 because I deserved it because I wasn't getting the shot. And now that same doctor, the last time I went to see him, he couldn't even remember what my... Um, my issues were like in my file, like something I, I literally took a step back and went, oh my gosh, he's not well. And he's taken three shots, I believe. Um, but how come, how come some doctors get it and other doctors don't get it? That's a great question. And I was going to jump in with this to, to segue from what uh, William was talking about. Uh, doc, so medicine was co-opted in several ways, and one of the major ways that they did it was through what is called evidence-based medicine. And that was a construct that actually came out of Canada and was initially hailed as you know, the, 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 a wonderful concept because it purported to use what they, what they called the best evidence to guide medical decision-making. Well, that was a problem right off the bat, because first of all, evidence is only a part of science. Science is really what should be used to guide medical decision making. Evidence is just evidence. And whoever then controls the evidence can control the practice. And that's exactly what happened. They went from evidence-based medicine to uh, cookbook medicine, practicing by treatment guidelines that were put out by various author so-called authoritative bodies, panels of experts, almost all of whom had financial conflicts of interest with industry. 
And I've studied this for years and written about it for years, so I know this inside out. And that led to a radical change in the way doctors practice and also the way they are educated. Doctors used to learn basic science and clinical medicine, and they would learn how to think like a doctor and reason and use, <clears throat> use critical thinking to get to get to a problem for to solve a problem for a patient. No longer they are being taught to follow guidelines. Right. And that's all they know how to do. So when the guidelines came out of the WHO and the CDC and these bodies, you know, these official bodies, they said, okay, <clears throat> I'll turn over my brain to you and I'll let you make all the decisions and I'll just click the boxes on the computer <clears throat> and I will comply and I'll be a good soldier. And that is a huge part of how doctors got co-opted and taken over. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So now they're basically, they're just going to the source. You tell me uh, what the answer is. And also it kind of absolves them, right? Like they, they maybe can't get sued. Oh, I was just following the, the, the WHO. When meanwhile, they actually should be sued because you know, the, the whole remdesivir debacle and all of that. Um, so is this why I think the three of you have come together with the wellness company? Uh, the wellness company is now putting out some great products for those that have been vaccine injured and uh, basically a lot of products to help you keep your immune system running healthy. I know, Dr. Mackis, this is something that you've newly, uh, you know, joined on to. I've joined the wellness company recently, and you know I've been so blessed and fortunate to be able to work with uh, amazing doctors like Dr. Amaling, Dr. Trozzi. Um, you know I would have probably never met them in my previous practice and in my previous life. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough, you know Dr. Paul Alexander, Dr. Roger Hopkinson, Dr. Harvey Reich, um, you know uh, Dr. Heather Gessling. You know I can just go down the list. Uh, Dr. James Thorpe recently. Uh, has joined as well. So, it, you know, it's been truly a blessing to for us to be able to get together and have the chance to, to work together and really help uh, offer something to those people who've lost so much, to people who've been injured, uh, to people who don't trust their doctor anymore because, and rightfully so, because their doctor abandoned them when they needed them the most. And, um, you know, so it, it's just been an absolute blessing to, to, to be able to do that despite, you know, the roadblocks that these regulatory bodies put, you know, in us, in our lives. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all coming under threats. We're all being threatened. Um, you know, we're being threatened on social media. We're being threatened by the colleges. Um, I've received threatening letters from lawyers for Alberta Health Services for the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta. Uh, they're saying things like, we're gonna put this and that on your record. Oh, you oppose the vaccine mandates. We're gonna put that on your record. Um, you know, so we face tremendous abuse <sighs> for just trying to stand up for our patients and trying to just stand up for basic medical ethics that, um, you know, that all of us had sort of, you know, uh, had through from, from our training um, and, you know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Ameling just brought up something, you know, very interesting about, you know, the guidelines and how doctors basically just turn off their brain uh, and started following guidelines. 
and guidelines from institutions that are completely co-opted and corrupt. And I think this is where a lot of doctors are stuck at. And I realized this watching my colleagues uh, just follow along with, with, with the entire COVID propaganda. You know, all the lockdowns, the masking, the masks, which we don't, we know that didn't work, lockdowns, which we know that didn't work, uh, and of course the vaccines now being the biggest one. They're all following the major journals, which are corrupted and co-opted, Nature, JAMA, Lancet. These are journals that we all trusted. These are journals that are completely corrupt, engaging in fraud. You know, they, 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 they stripped our paper that the autopsy review paper I was talking about earlier, you know, we have this largest autopsy paper review that we've, that has ever been done. You know, it goes on the Lancet server and they remove it within 24 hours because it, you know, shows the, the vaccines in a negative light and, you know, the sudden deaths that are being caused. And this is one of the, you know, the largest journals in the world, literally committing a scientific an academic fraud by removing a paper that could potentially save a lot of lives, right? And so I think doctors, a lot of doctors have no idea just how much corruption there is in healthcare with the journals, with the associations, with the medical bodies. You've got Canadian Medical Association pushing vaccines, saying they're safe and effective, saying go get your booster shots. Doctors should be mandated said, okay, I'm gonna just follow the guidelines of these corrupted institutions. It used to be the science and art of medicine. There was an art component to medicine and that art component was the critical thinking because you know every patient is different and you have to sort of go back, look at your entire experience, uh, look at what's happening out there in the world and you, know, you try to do what's best for your patient. Now it's just guidelines. You know, your patient is just a statistic and, you know, that's that's not optimal treatment for your patients. Right. And that's what doctors have done. And that's what the pharmaceutical industry took advantage of. They said, OK, as long as we co-opt the big medical associations, the colleges, the health authorities, and we tell the doctors what to do, they're going to follow. They're going to fall in line. And they did. Wow. I actually. Yeah, I, I was a former you know, insider really for a while, for part of my early career. And I saw how it works. I mean, the, the people who do favors for pharma get put on the guideline committees to write these guidelines. And of course, they're going to be recommending that they, they, you, you use and in higher and higher doses, the products that the companies that are paying them. And that's, that's how it went out. They also control virtually every level of medical education, from medical school to conferences, I was uh, often invited as a speaker at international and national meetings. Once I got on the bad side of certain big pharma companies, uh, that stopped, right? They have control over the speaker programs in so many of these big events. And when you go to these events, they're like pharma industry circuses. I mean, they all have these huge display tents up. I mean, there's, uh, you know, dinners and whining and dining going on. It is all, all corrupt and wow. doctors have to understand this and they have to get away from it, go back to real science, real medicine. And again, as William said, practice the art of medicine again. That mm -hmm. is pretty much gone from medical education. I can tell you that from my experience uh, teaching medicine in the last few years. Sad, sad. We just support you. We consider you the heroes in our nation and your words are so powerful. 
Dr. Trozzi, that we've really, we've really gone through quite an ordeal and it's not over because they're still lying. And I trust you guys. I trust you to be uh, bearers of the truth. And I thank you very much for paying a very high price to tell the truth. You are epic, epic heroes to all of us. Um, the audience absolutely loves you. And I appreciate you being here today. Let's do this again, as we will. Dr. Amerling, it was very wonderful to meet you and to, to see Likewise. your work. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, thank you to Dr. Mackis, Dr. Trozzi. Uh, we'll see you October 28th, uh, the two doctors, Mackis and Trozzi, in, um, in Whitby, Ontario, at the event that we have going on there. So thank you, all of you. We'll, we'll talk to you again. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Bye, Laura. Bye-bye. Thank you. Epic, gentlemen. Absolutely epic. If you want the truth on what's really happening, you need to share this out. You need to let your loved ones know. You know, I was really strong with my dad because my dad, you know, the nurses had come by the home that he was in and, oh, you know, you should be getting your shot. And it was always like, you're not getting your shot. And we're all like, no, we're not getting the shot. Scoot. Okay? Do not under any circumstances, vaccinate my mom and dad. So I had standing orders with that. My dad did get COVID, he landed in the hospital and I snuck in ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And after they told my brother that, uh, oh yeah, your dad's beginning to fail and you know, and I was in Costa Rica, okay? So I, I got all the ivermectin and stuff that I needed and I brought it home and I snuck it into the hospital, Surrey Memorial. Surrey Memorial, refusing to give my dad early treatment. So I brought it in. I took care of him. I gave him ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine within 10 days after they literally were giving him a death sentence. I took my dad home. So I believe these gentlemen that we've been talking to today. I believe Dr. Trozzi, Dr. Mackis, Dr. Ammerling, that we are literally kind of living under a PSYOP. We've lost all medical ethics. The only doctors you can believe are pretty much the doctors that you'll see on this show and maybe shows on Rumble because they're not allowed to be on YouTube anymore. My website is laurelin.tv. Thank you very much for joining me. If you are able to help us to speak the truth, this is why we do this. JT and I are here every day. If you're able to make a donation and help us do that to get the truth out, we have literally saved thousands and thousands of lives. I know this because I travel the country and they say, uh, we had appointments made to get our vaxes. Uh, we thought we were doing such and such and we came across one of your programs because of you. We never got the shot. And they usually have tears in their eyes as they're telling me that. And those tears are a reflection of the truth of the voices like Dr. William Mackers, Dr. Mark Trozzi, and Dr. Ammerling today. These are the guys telling the truth. If you're having trouble because you didn't get the message soon enough and and uh, you know, you've got uh, issues with you know, harm from the, the vaccine, the wellness company, please go there, find them, and uh, you'll be able to get some stuff that will help you. I want to leave you today with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So I ask you in these very hard days that you would speak, you would speak the truth with all the power of love, that you would speak the truth with courage and with strength and understand that we are in such an epic war. But even as we fight this war, let us remember, love your fellow man. Don't forget about your marriages. Keep your marriages in, in good standing. Bless the one that God has given you. Make sure that you appreciate them. Make sure that you take time to let them know how special they are to you in your lives. Love your children. Teach your children the truth. And when we do have to be strong, when we do have to stand up to this tyrannical nonsense, to this literal evil that has come against us, may you do it with dignity, may you do it with strength, courage, and love for those that are victims. Let us not direct our anger at this severe injustice. Let us not direct that anger at the victims of this. Let's get to the root of this. And we do pray for justice. We pray for justice to come against all of those who have practiced evil. And we will be having our incredible um, event October 28th. If you can just slap that up, JT, before we go, October 28th, that will be in Whitby, Ontario. And Dr. Trozy, Dr. Mackis, among many others, will be there. Also, a really cool guy named Dr. William, uh, Dr. Lance Wallnow. Um, he's going to be there. Dr. Brian Artis, Dr. Byram Bridal. Uh, wow. These are the champions. We are the champions. It's these guys. They're the champions. They're going to be there, and it's going to be epic. See you then, and uh, have a great night. We'll see you very soon. God bless. You know, it's not easy to deliver the truth of what our sick world is doing, but for some of us, we feel that we have no choice. Because if we are silent about these abominable things, then we are letting evil go unchecked, and we cannot do that. For those of you wonderful people who are writing me and are sharing your encouragement, I am deeply grateful. Thank you for all the letters that you've been sending. Thank you for the donations and the support. I found out that in order to speak the truth, you have to become very, very strong. If you would go to my website at www.lauralyn.tv, you'll find all of the ways that you can contact me. Remember, my friends, all is well. All is well. Thanks for joining me.